are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to interact with other readers and followers and share your own insights and reflections about today's reading. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 202. And we are reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 18, Paragraphs 198 to 208. Chapter 18. Other mysteries and occupations of the great Queen and Lady and her Most Holy Son, while they lived alone together. 198. As I have already said in other places, the knowledge of many of the sacramental mysteries of Jesus and Mary are reserved for the increase of the accidental beatitude of the predestined and eternal life. The highest and most ineffable of these mysteries took place during the four years in which they lived together, after the death of St. Joseph, and after the public preaching of our Lord. It is impossible for any mortal worthily to understand such profound secrets. How much less can I, rude and untutored as I am, manifest properly, what I have been made to understand concerning them. But in that which I do manifest will be seen the cause of my inability. The soul of Christ our Lord was a most transparent and flawless mirror, in which the Blessed Mother saw reflected all the mysteries and sacraments which the Lord, as the head and artificer of the Holy Church, the restorer of the human race, the teacher of eternal salvation, and the angel of great counsel wrought and accomplished, according to eternal decrees of the most blessed trinity. 199. In the execution of this work consigned to him by the Eternal Father, Christ our Lord consumed his whole earthly life and lent to it all the perfection possible to a God-man. In the measure as he approached its consummation and the full accomplishment of its sacraments, so also the force of his divine wisdom and omnipotence became more evident. Of all these mysteries, our great Queen and Lady was the eyewitness, and her purest heart was their depository. In all things she cooperated with her divine Son, as his helpmate, in the works of the reparation of mankind. Accordingly, in order to understand entirely the designs of eternal providence and the process of dispensing all the mysteries of salvation, it was necessary that she comprehend also the things hidden in the science of Christ our Redeemer the works of his love and prudence, by which he prepared the efficient means of attaining his high purposes. In the little which I can say of the works of Most Holy Mary, I must always presuppose the works of her Most Holy Son, for she cooperated with him and imitated him as her pattern and model. 
200. The Savior of the world was already 26 years of age, and in the measure, as his most holy humanity approached its perfect growth and its earthly end, Christ proceeded to manifest it by permitting the operations to show more and more openly the purpose of the redemption. All these mysteries, the evangelist Luke includes in those few words with which he closes the second chapter. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and grace with God and man. Among men, his blessed mother cooperated and grew in knowledge with the increase and progress of her son, without remaining ignorant of anything that the Son of God and man could ever communicate to a mere creature. Among these hidden and divine mysteries, the great lady also perceived during these years how her son and true God began more and more to extend his plans, not only those of his uncreated divinity, but of his humanity, so as to include all the mortals in his redemption as a whole, how he weighed its value in the eyes of the Eternal Father, and how in order to close the gates of hell and call men to eternal happiness, he had come down from heaven to suffer the bitterest torments and death, and how in spite of all this, the folly and wickedness of those that were to be born after, he had thus annihilated himself on the cross, would rather urge him to widen the portals and open the lowest abysses of hell, consigning them to those horrible and dreadful torments, which their blind ignorance continued to disregard. 201. The knowledge and contemplation of this sad fate caused great affliction and sorrow to the human nature of Christ our Lord, and sometimes pressed forth a bloody sweat. In these agonies of the divine teacher persevered in his petitions for all who were to be redeemed. In conformity with the will of his eternal Father, he desired with the most ardent love to be sacrificed for the rescue of men. For as not all were to be saved by his merits and sacrifices, he knew that all events, the divine justice, must be satisfied, and the offenses to the divinity be made good by the punishment which divine equity and justice had prepared from all eternity for the infidels and the thankless sinners on the day of retribution. Entering into these profound secrets by her deep wisdom, the great lady joined her most holy son in the sorrowful contemplation and sighs for those unfortunates, while at the same time her heart was torn by grief at the heavy affliction of the blessed fruit of her womb. Many times the meekest dove shed ensanguined tears when she saw her son sweat blood in the agonies of his sorrow. For only this most prudent lady and her son, the true God and man, could ever justly weigh, as in the scales of the sanctuary, what it meant, on the one hand, to see a God dying upon a cross in order to seal up the infernal regions, and on the other hand, the hardness and blindness of mortal hearts and casting themselves headlong into the jaws of eternal death. In these great sorrows it sometimes happened that the most loving mother was overcome by deathly weakness, and they would no doubt have ended her life if she had not been preserved by divine intervention. Her sweetest son, in return for her most faithful and loving compassion, sometimes commanded the angels to console her and take her into their arms, at other times to sing her own heavenly canticles of praise in honor of the divinity and humanity. At other times the Lord himself took her into his arms and gave her new celestial understanding of her exemption from this iniquitous law of sin and its effects. Sometimes, thus reclining in his arms, the angels sang to her in admiration, while she, transformed and enraptured in heavenly ecstasies, experienced new and exquisite influences of the divinity. At such times this chosen one, this perfect and only one, was truly reclining on the left hand of the humanity, 
while rejoiced and caressed by the right hand of the divinity. Canticle 2.6 Her most loving son and spouse conjured the daughters of Jerusalem, not to wake his beloved from his sleep, which cured the sorrows and infirmities of her love, until she herself desired to be thus waked, and the supernal spirits broke forth in wonder, to see her raised above them all, resting on her beloved son, clothed in very-colored garment at his right hand, and they blessed and extolled her above all creatures. Psalm 44.10.203 The great queen was made acquainted with the deepest secrets concerning the predestination of the elect, in virtue of the redemption, and she saw them as they were written in the eternal memory of her son. She was enabled to see how he applied to them his merits and efficaciously interceded for their salvation, how his love and grace of which the reprobate made themselves unworthy, were awarded to the predestined according to their different dispositions. Among the predestined she also saw those whom the Lord in his wisdom and solicitude was to call to his apostolate and imitation, and how by means of his hidden and foreordained decrees he began to enlist, he began to enlist them to the standard of his cross, which they themselves afterwards were to unfold before the world, and how he pursued the policy of a good general, who, planning a great battle or conquest, assigns the different duties to different parts of his army, chooses the most courageous and well-disposed for the most arduous positions. Thus Christ our Redeemer, in order to enter upon the conquest of the world and despoil the demon of his tyrannical possession by the power of his Godhead as the Word, disposed of this new army to be enlisted, assigned the dignities and offices of his courageous and strong captains, and predestined them for their posts of duty." All the preparations and apparatus of this war were prearranged to the divine wisdom of his most holy will, just in order in which all was to take place. 204. All this was also open and manifest to the most prudent mother, and to her was given by infused species to see and personally to know many of the predestined, especially the apostles and disciples, and a great number of those who were called to the holy church into the primitive and latter ages. On account of this supernatural knowledge given to her by God, she knew the apostles and others before coming in contact with them, and just as the divine master had prayed and obtained for them their vocation before he called them, so also the heavenly lady had made them the object of her prayers. Hence, in the favors and graces which the apostles received before hearing or seeing their master, and which disposed and prepared them to accept their vocation to the apostolate, the mother of grace had likewise cooperated. In proportion as the time of his public preaching drew nearer, the Lord redoubled his prayers and petitions for them and sent them greater and more efficacious inspirations. In like manner, the prayers of the heavenly lady grew to be more fervent and efficacious, and when afterwards they attached themselves to the Lord and saw her face to face. She was wont to say of them, as well as many others, to her son, These, my son and master, are the fruits of thy prayers and of thy holy desires." And she sang songs of praise and thanksgiving, because she saw his wishes fulfilled, and because she saw those who were called from the beginning of the world drawn to his following. 205. In the prudent contemplation of those wonders, our great queen was wont to be absorbed, and to break out in matchless hymns of admiration and praise, performing heroic acts of love and adoring the secret judgments of the Most High. Entirely transformed and penetrated by this fire, which issued from the Lord, in order to consume the world, she was accustomed sometimes in the secret of her heart, at others in a loud voice to exclaim, 
O infinite love, O manifestation of goodness, ineffable and immense, why do mortals not know thee? Why should thy tenderness be so ill repaid? O ye labor, suffering sighs, petitions, and desires of my beloved, altogether more precious than pearls than all the treasures of the world, who shall be so unhappy and so ungrateful as to despise thee? O children of Adam, whom can you find to die for you many times, in order that your ignorance might be undeceived? Your hardness be softened, and your misfortunes relieved. After these ardent exclamations, the Blessed Mother conversed with her son mouth to mouth, and the highest king consoled and dilated her heart, reminding her how pleasing she herself was to the Most High, how great a grace and glory were to be merited for the predestined in comparison with the ingratitude and hardness of the reprobate. Especially he showed her the love of himself toward her, that of the Blessed Trinity, and how much God was pleased with her faithful correspondence and immaculate purity. 206. At other times, the Lord showed her what he was to do in his public preaching, how she was to cooperate with him and help him in the affairs and in the government of the new church. She was informed of the denial of St. Peter, the unbelief of Thomas, the treachery of Judas, and other events of the future. From that moment on, the dutiful lady resolved to labor zealously in order to save that treasonous disciple. And she followed her resolve, as I shall relate in its place. The perdition of Judas began by his despising her goodwill, and by conceiving against the mother of grace a sort of ill will and impiety. Of these great mysteries and sacraments, the heavenly lady was informed by her most holy son. So great was the wisdom and science deposited in her, that all attempts at fully explaining them is vain. For only the knowledge of the Lord could exceed that of Mary, which far excelled that of all the seraphim and cherubim. But if our Lord and Redeemer Jesus and Mary, his most holy mother, employed all these gifts of grace and science in the service of mortals, and if a single sigh of Christ our Lord was of incalculable value for all creatures, and if those of his mother, though they had not the same value as his, being those of a mere creature, were worth more in the eyes of God than the doings of all creation taken together, to what an immense value will both their united merits swell when we add together what son and mother did for us in their petitions, tears, bloody sweat, fearful torment, and death on the cross, and all the other actions in which the mother joined the divine son as his helpmate and partaker of all his acts. O ingratitude of men, O hardness of our carnal heart, more than adamantine, where is our insight? Where our reason? Where is even the most common compassion or gratitude of human nature? Is it not moved to pity and compassion by the sensible objects, the causes of its eternal damnation? Why then does it so completely forget to be moved by the life and sufferings of the Lord? the cause of everlasting happiness and peace in the life to come. Instruction given to me by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary. 207. My daughter, it is certain that even if thou or any of the mortals were able to speak in the language of the angels, they would not on that account be able to describe the blessings and favors which the right hand of the Most High showered upon me in those last years of the life of my Son with me. These works of the Lord are of an order, far above thy capacity, and of the rest of the mortals. But since thou hast received such special enlightenment concerning these sacraments, I wish that thou praise and extol the Almighty for all that he did for me, and for raising me out of the dust by such exalted favors. 
Although thy love of the Lord must be spontaneous as that of a devoted daughter and of a most loving spouse, not selfish or forced, yet I wish that for the support of thy human weakness and the strengthening of thy hope, thou fondly remember how delightful the Lord is in his charity toward those who love him with filial fear. O my dearest daughter, if men would place no hindrance by their sins, and if they would not resist the infinite bounty, how measureless would be the favors and blessings upon them. According to thy way of understanding, thou must look upon him as being outraged and made sorrowful by the opposition of mortals to his boundless desires of doing them good. And they carry their opposition so far that they accustom themselves not only to be unworthy of tasting of his sweetness, but also not to believe that others ever participate in his sweetness and blessings, which he desires so much to communicate to all. 208. Be careful also to give thanks for the incessant labors of my most holy son for all men and for what I have done in union with him. As has been shown thee, Catholics should bear in mind more constantly the passion and death of the Lord, because the church so often recalls it to their remembrance, although few show themselves grateful. But there are still fewer who take thought of the other works of my son and of mine. For the Lord allowed not one hour, and not a moment to pass, in which he did not employ in gaining gifts and graces for rescuing all men from eternal damnation and making them participants of his glory. These works of the Lord, God incarnate, will be witnesses against the forgetfulness and hard-heartedness of the faithful, especially on the day of judgment. If thou who possesses the light and the doctrine of the Most High and my teachings will not be grateful, thy confusion will be even greater than that of others, since thy guilt is more heinous. Thou must not only correspond to the many general blessings, but also to the special and particular ones, which thou experienced every day. Guard against the danger of forgetfulness, and conduct thyself as my daughter and disciple. Do not delay for one moment to apply thyself to a good life in the best way possible to thee. For this purpose, attend well to the interior lights and to the instructions of thy spiritual guides, the ministers of the Lord. Be assured, if thou correspond to some of the graces and favors, the Most High will open up his almighty hands and fill thee with riches and treasures. This concludes our reading today for day number 202. We've been reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 18, Paragraphs 198 to 208. In the very beginning of our reading, we heard that Jesus knew about his forthcoming passion and suffering that he would undergo for the sake of redemption. And at times when he called it to mind, he would even sweat tears of blood. And then in our instruction from Our Lady, she reminds us, she says, Be careful to give thanks for the incessant labors of my most holy son for all men and for what I have done in union with him. As has been shown thee, Catholics should bear in mind more constantly the passion and death of the Lord because the church so often recalls it to the remembrance, although few show themselves grateful. Now there's an apparition of Our Lady, and I know it's a controversial apparition. I've really come to believe in it personally, and I'm not sharing about this apparition to convince you that it's true. I leave that to your own discernment and also to the discernment of the church, which hasn't fully condemned it nor fully approved it. But in the apparition of Our Lady at Garamendal in Spain, she told the visionaries to reflect often on the passion of Jesus. That's something I've thought about. What does that mean to reflect on the passion of Jesus? 
Of course, probably the preeminent way that we do that is by the Stations of the Cross, which are commonly prayed during the Lenten season, but I would love to see a resurgence of the Stations throughout the year as a way for us to recall the Passion of Jesus. We do it in the Sorrowful Mysteries of the Rosary, and even in the Divine Mercy Chaplet, if you think about it, we pray, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, an atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. So we're calling the passion to mind for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. We're calling it to mind. We're putting it before our eyes. We're saying that 50 times as we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. There are the prayers of St. Bridget, the 15 prayers associated uh, with the passion of Jesus. There are also these other prayers that St. Bridget has as well that are popular, but they really place the passion before our eyes as well. It seems that something that is efficacious for us is to never forget the suffering and death of Jesus. Having a crucifix in your home is a great reminder. And every time you look up at that crucifix, maybe to say, Lord Jesus crucified, have mercy on me. You're always then grateful for that forgiveness and that salvation that Jesus has won for us. I was also moved in our reading to hear that not only did Jesus pray for all of us sinners, and that he prayed also for his apostles that he would call, but Mary also prayed for the apostles. She knew who they would be, that God gave her that knowledge. And she even prayed for Judas the Iscariot, knowing that he was going to be the betrayer, that she prayed for him. The prayers of Our Lady are never in vain. And so we ask her that just as she prayed for all of the apostles, that now she might pray for us before the throne of God. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.